Let's get real, let's get inspirational, a little bit emotional, and let's shed some sunshine. This is the Sunshine Steven Podcast. Welcome! Good day and happy Wednesday, and welcome back to the Sunshine Steven Podcast. Again, happy Mental Health Month, everybody. Um, hopefully you're doing well, taking care of yourself, doing some self-care, all that good shiz, because mental health is important. Clearly, duh, I talk about it like every episode. Uh, for this week, I am talking to new BFF, Kate. Um, we're on a first name basis. <laughs> um, and <laughs> talking about, um, oh gosh, a wide variety of things, starting with um a, a traumatic event that led her down a new journey in life because you know that's what happens we think you know our life is going to go one way and then literally you never know life comes out of nowhere and it's like nah bitch this is what she's gonna do so um super excited for her to share that and talk about that also her book um you know i'm always curious to talk to people that have written a book and put it out there for the world and everything like that. So talk about that and like Buku Kachu recommendations from her and I ate it all up. I think I've already bought like three or four books that she recommended. So good stuff. It's good, good stuff. So let me shut my pie hole and get to it. Well, hello, Kate, and welcome to the Sunshine Stephen podcast. How are you? I'm good, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so excited to have you on here. Um, sorry, listeners, you don't get to listen to us pre-recording, but it's been a good time so far, so I'm super excited. Um, lots to talk about, so let me shut up for a second and let you kind of give the listeners uh, a feel of who you are, and that sounds really weird, a feel, <laughs> a glimpse into who you oh, are and everything like that. Um, kinesiology. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <the> <laughs> yeah, so we just want to give a brief bio of hey, this Got is it. what I do and everything like that. And then we're going to oh really God. deep dive into it after that. No oh, pressure. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I, am, I am Kate Harvey and I am the contributing writer at the Universal Hip Hop Museum. I also am responsible for communications and strategy at the Vanderbilt Republic and Midheaven Network. I'm the author of a book which came from all that I learned and all that I screwed up while I was recovering from a traumatic brain injury and a whole bunch of time after that. Uh, I am all about, uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm all about living in New York because you know, I lived here most of my life. I'm all about though what used to be ingrained in New York and hopefully still is, and that is uh, culture and character over commerce. Mm -hmm. Because if it's wacky and it's interesting, and probably delicious and probably funny and really enjoyable to listen to and look at, I'm going to find it. Mm. And that's because I think I'm supposed to have three jobs in this lifetime. I'm supposed to be a fact checker. I'm supposed to be a private investigator. Mm -hmm. And I'm supposed to run a business that does bespoke personal shopping. I do a little of the third. The PI license thing, I am really and truly thinking about that. I, can, I, I researched it actually during the previous quote presidential quote administration. Huh, and yeah. that's what's up. <laughs> that's awesome. I've always wanted to be a detective of some sort. Um, but then I, I'm like, nah, I don't know if I could do that. That's <laughs> well, two words, assumed names <laughs> and 
two more words, good disguises. Oh yeah, that's very true. Yeah, well, I just think it would be so awesome to just bust somebody and be yeah. like. <laughs> I mean, Moonlighting is a show that has never been remade, although almost every other Neil Brown show, yeah, exactly. Thank you, or or sequeled. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's Rice and Harvey. Oh, I'm or, ready for it. You know, and we can. And that way reach a whole bunch of audiences and a whole bunch of clients and a whole bunch of criminals. Oh, yes. And that was a actually truly was my my minor was criminal justice. So, you, no, you made that up. No. And my oh, husband, he studied criminal justice, too. So, <laughs> yeah, I didn't go are, to law school. I didn't did. pass the bar exam, but I went to law school. Oh, I graduated. Oh, well, see, there we go. Where are we got this? Y'all heard it the first. <laughs> we are we are so ready. We are the documentary type. We're like, we watch cold cases and we're like, oh, it was the nanny. We know it was the nanny. We can prove it. <laughs> like it... one day someone's going to identify that really, really good detectives have stronger intuitions mm-hmm. than the average person. And whether they have, you know, I, I have, I know, I know where all the these things get done in the brain. But mm-hmm. whether their specific, you know, uh, portion of the brain is better, bigger, stronger than others, yep. I don't know. But, but this is how we get, you know, sponsorship from like all of those vitamins and supplements that purportedly make your memory better. Memory. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Or the the the, the, the um, side of your brain that you don't use will now magically work if you take this. And I'm like. I feel like that was true. <laughs> like we would all know it's, about this by now. <laughs> oh my God, seriously. I mean, yeah. the thing is the brain words are so fun though, like diencephalon and hypothalamus. You know, people that don't feel, if you don't, people, if you don't feel like you're smart, which you are, remember you are, if you don't yeah. feel like you're smart and you're around people that always are talking like they have five PhDs, throw around some neurological words. Yeah. Because most people, don't know anything about them. So when you say things like cerebrum and cerebellum and um, parietal, you know, parietal lobotomy, well, you know, yeah. I went to lobotomy, parietal <laughs> lobe, they, they won't know and they'll be ashamed. So yeah. they'll be all, oh, right, that. Yeah. And that, have to they're going to be they're gonna be like, oh, I love that drink. I order it often. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, totally. Well, yeah, and you're sure because it's like a Moscow Mule, you know, yeah. it's delicious. Yeah, your occipital lobe, sure, exactly. that manages your vision, and because maybe maybe they can't don't know how to dress, so yeah. their occipital lobe isn't moving very well because that's where visions manage, which means color, light, and movement. Yep. So they're always in like the wrong color blue. Yeah, those genes that just are fitting in the wrong places. Yeah, you no. Know, Jeg- jeggings like really we had to have that really i know i don't know why uh, but... i mean clothing as punishment chapter seven like yeah not really it really yeah it's clothing can make or break i feel like people Facts. sometimes Facts. i'm like at home wear whatever you want before you go out in public maybe double check because i don't know the stay at home thing i think is giving people permission there's always been the people that would like wear their slippers outside because <laughs> It's a shoe, sure. A, yeah. Or, you know, flip-flops instead of shoes in the winter because it's not that cold at 42 degrees. Yeah. I, think, I though, do have to admit to that because this is a Florida sure. native. Well, living in the South, though, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. I mean, when does it get to be 41 degrees where you live? No. And then... Rarely. <laughs> I'll say this, though. There is a fine line, I think, between 
flannels and sweatpants because flannels are pajamas. And the truth is, you know, I don't know, but that's fine. Yeah. Either I we, yeah. We <laughs> live, your, live your best life, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of life, <laughs> let's uh, start out with a bang and talk about your life and the traumatic event, if you will, that kind of snowballed you into sharing your story, writing this book and everything. I don't want to give anything away or steal your thunder, so I'll let you take it away and sure. explain to the listeners what ha- happened. Well, the reason that I'm on this show is not because we actually have, we are in contract to do the private investigating work. Yeah, sorry guys. Stay tuned, stay tuned. In 2009, a week after I'd lost my job, I went to Brooklyn to visit a friend. And as we were walking from her home to my then hairstylist's home, uh, the wind blew my hat off my head. And I'm all about hats. I've always been all about hats. So I stepped back into the crosswalk to pick up my hat and coming uh, the perpendicular direction was uh, an ambulance and it hit me. And I suffered multiple skull fractures and contusions to my brain. I was two and a half weeks in a coma. They removed a portion of my skull because there was too much intracranial pressure. Uh, I had a subdural hematoma and they handled that by doing what's called an affrontal parietal temporal craniectomy, which means they removed part of my skull. I was in respiratory failure. So that required what's called mechanical ventilation. And uh, they did a tracheotomy to put an intravenous filter implant uh, down my throat so I could you know, breathe still. The cranioplasty put a synthetic bone flap where half my skull had been. So I'm half bone, half plastic up there. Uh, and that was, uh, also dealing with the excess cerebrospinal fluid that had matriculated. And they did a ventriculoperitoneal shunt attached, which I still have. So when people watch the Jetsons and they see mm-hmm. all these fun robots and things, I'm a little bit astro yeah. because there is something in the back of my head that ensures that my neurons are firing at the right speed. When I left the second hospital where I'd been a patient, my memory, my memory abilities were below the first percentile. Mm-hmm. And that performance is similar to someone who is intellectually disabled. And that all occurred from February until late April in 2009. Mm. Which is- Oh, and the rough. kicker <laughs> was by New York law, cause it happened in New York where I live. Right. By New York law, the level of the injury that I had suffered rendered me incapable of living by myself. So for the first time since I was 14, I was to live at my parents' house, who had by this point had moved, where my brother and I had grown up. So as much as I had been there and I'd gone to school in that town, I had never lived there. So the humble came hard. Yeah. But, but I wasn't dead. Yeah. And that was the point that I told myself every day for months months what over a, to you yeah what a uh a way, i told you guys we were you know starting off with a big bang and everything um it, it just about i commend you so much for even sharing um for sure um you, thank you yeah well, may i ask why do you commend me because it, it's, it's a really 
kind of we were kind of talking about this offline like some you sometimes we're programmed not to talk about bad things and traumatic things and stuff like that and especially in your situation some might just be like oh I had an accident but now I'm better like to make it a point to share your full story not leave out any gritty details because I feel like that's when people are like they they really are like oh damn like all this happened to her and like she she survived she persevered and now she's looking at it in such a positive way I feel like that is a reality check for a lot of people are like hmm Starbucks was out of my favorite drink today it's like oh my god you're so funny <laughs> well I, I think this were I to not and we can circle back to this if you want to talk about of books course. later were I to not be full candid about it and not only own the whole experience or rather what I remember of the whole experience because right. I have no memory of um, most of that. Most, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of that time, uh, only I recall what's been told to me, what I don't remember um, or don't wasn't awake for. If I were to leave any of it out or to kind of gloss over it, right. you know, cause the happy ending is I'm not dead. Mm. Not only do I deny the facts of it. And I deny the contributions that way too many people to name here made mm. from medical work to prayer, to bringing coffee, to mm. being kind to my family, to being kind to me, to being present in multiple hospitals mm. and all kinds of patience and tolerance and thoughtfulness. I also deny people having an opportunity to think about what they know in their life that was bad, mm -hmm. dark, difficult, so scary as to seemingly be impossible. Mm -hmm. And it's only, I think, in telling the full story, the whole story, that I can help someone, hopefully, Definitely. or help or help someone feel like, you know what? I do not need to be ashamed that I have not had a job for seven months mm -hmm. or that my divorce is still ongoing or that my child's in detention, you know, every day for every month since the first stay at home order. We don't that we have detention at home because he's yeah. at home, but who knows? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I like that you said, like, there's so many people because I know for me personally, didn't happen to me. I don't mean to bring the mood down, everyone. But last year, my sister actually was in a coma for about two weeks. Um, unfortunately, she did not make it out. Um, but a lot of stuff that they tried the same thing. Half her skull was gone. Everything just, it wasn't, she went too long without oxygen into her brain. So unfortunately, we had to make that horrible decision to pull life support and everything like that. And I will tell you, it's not like the movies where it's just like, Boop. Okay, it's done. No, it was days of waiting. But you saying like there were so many people to the, even the little there was a woman in the, the room while the doctor came in to tell us like, you know, everything who excused herself. She said, this is personal and everything. I don't want to. And then she clearly put two and two together as we were all emotional and crying and was like, I'm so sorry to where we even she even gave us peppermints out of her purse and was like I'm sorry like here because we were all like choking up and crying and and everything like that so it's like those little people that really did help that time 
not be so shitty, if I may say. <laughs> so I'm sure, I, and my heart goes out to your family as well too, because I know even the the what ifs and the the wondering what and everything that was a struggle to go to th- go through and everything like that. So it's to great witness, to witness your sister, mm. you know, with with all the hope that you guys had mm-hmm. and the person you knew her to be. As much as there are some people that they don't quite fully grasp what grief is. Oh yeah. And or if someone were to think that it was an easy decision mm-hmm. to end some end someone's being on life support, mm-hmm. not only have they never experienced it, right? They are might they might not be capable of experiencing it because. I would imagine it was only because you knew your sister oh, yeah. as well as you did that you could make the horrifying yet accurate decision mm-hmm. for her to have her home going long before her time. Yep. Because there's being alive and there's living. Yep. They're different. 100%. One is science and anatomy and the other is love and movies and fried chicken and learning to drive a stick shift and spending your life with someone who loves you like you deserve to be loved and you know pose not being coming off the air (laughs) (laughs) and yeah being alive and living they're two different things so from my bottom of my heart my support respect and love for you and your family for having to do that because that is a decision that no one is supposed to have to make oh yeah and nobody as much as i love my family my close friends and everything nobody really knew what to say or and they were honest they were like i've never had to experience anything close to this and i was like neither well I thought, you know, and again, this is why I'm writing a book and everything. When I was 16, we lost our mother. I was so young and everything. So I thought, this is my big, bad, terrible one of them. Like, this should this be the, the f- worst loss. This is the worst Correct. loss I'll ever know. Yes. So I was like, you know, that's it. I'm, I, I should be good for, her, you know, and then here 11 years later, it's like, well, now this is coming everything and my my sister she was my oldest she was the oldest of four of us too she's only 34 too when she passed so still young she has three children so it was very yes yeah it just keeps getting yeah more and more so it was very heartbreaking to know like you assume that role of mom even though she already helped raise us and everything she's the one that gave me away at my wedding walk not gave me away walked me the aisle i hate that phrase i don't know why i just said that um but walked me down the aisle and everything like that so it was it, it, it's really hard. And so I always appreciate when people have those tough conversations with not conversation, I guess, tough story times where they're like, hey, it was the rocky, whatever, the boat was a rockin', but here's, you know, the good that's come from it. Because where would we be if we said, well, this horrible stuff happened to me at the end? It's like, okay, but are you not grateful? Like, do you not? <laughs> like, I don't understand. So that's why I commend you that you're you're like, let me flip it around and tell you guys, you know, all the good that's come out of it. And with well, that, <laughs> I mean, to your to your point though, 
there would be no good were there not the rabbit hole yep. and the self-hatred oh, and 100. the seemingly consistent screw-ups and the loss of friendships mm-hmm. and the messing things up with work. And as much as I do my best to live by something Teddy Roosevelt said many years ago, which is comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. Not so much about comparing myself to other people, because what's the point there? I right. learn from it. Yeah. The person, and I do this less now, though I still do it, compare myself to me when I was younger, when I was thinner, when I think I was smarter, when I was dating someone, when you know things seem to be on the up and up or whatever. I, I have gotten better at doing that, at not doing that because what good does it do me? I mean, I, I, I flip it by identifying what is the lesson from this? What can I extract from this that is possibly applicable now? And if it's not, great, it happened, you know, have the memory or I want to not have the memory and next. Definitely, yeah. It is, the last thing I'll say, just as there are people who always land in the roses, you know, in terms of they aren't, maybe they don't work that hard, Mm -hmm. they're not that thoughtful, they are always late, they forget the thing they were asked to do. Things in their lives don't appear ever to be tricky. You know, they happen and it's good and, you know, it's very steady and, you know, abundant. Similar to that, there are people to whom trauma seems drawn. Mm -hmm. I do think for those people that I know that have gone through several consistently heart-wrenching things, they are not victims by it. Mm -hmm. They are smarter and stronger and more capable and kinder, more empathic, more willing and able to face things and tackle them and conquer them. And I do hope though that the traumas that seem to find them will stop Mm -hmm. because it is a lot to go through. At the same time, I don't know anyone that has this, lives this life that is not generous with what they've learned from it. And maybe that's part of why it happens. Right. Because something that I talk about in an interview I did a little while ago about making trauma teachable, Mm -hmm. it is teachable. Mm -hmm. I certainly don't like how I learned about it uh, (laughs) from it. And so my effort with my book was to kind of turn that and make uh, more of a blueprint Mm-hmm. or a like a fully loaded rucksack that always has the snacks that you want and your flashlight that works. Oh, yes. I love that. And I love that. It, great segue into your book. Um, so you've had this traumatic thing happen, but you're like, you know what? Let me share this with people. So kind of walk me through like your, your book writing process. Um, I always like to ask like, how long did it take you? what were some challenges with it if you just want to guide me through your your book experience well I would love to say that after the few months sitting at my parents house and relearning how to drive Mm. doing crossword puzzles math all of the cognitive things that had exited me yeah when I was hurt 
I would love to say that it was only a short time after that, that I had so much mental clarity and desire to strike out and do this. Uh, that would be a really short story because it's not true. Right. I, the majority of my book is about my life after I was quote unquote, unquote better. And I was only better by the medical definition right. of better because I was not better. So in my, as a child of the eighties, when the term self-help came into the world, and the term empowerment came up. I was like that, you know, stick to itiveness and figure it out and, you know, boots to asses and yeah. build from the ground up. Mm -hmm. And for the life of me, I could not find a book, an audio, a program, or a person who could really and truly help me with what I was going through. This does not mean that I did not try. This does not mean that money and time and nonsense weren't spent. Does not mean that I made good decisions here. Does not mean that I made entirely bad decisions here. It was though, like, you know, you get the recipe for trail mix or granola or one of those things that is like everything but the kitchen sink and it's yeah. supposed to be good. And, you know, you, I guess the notion is that from, cause it's all these ingredients are good. That's going to make something good. Right. When it really just makes junk. Yeah. <laughs> so that is what I found and not to besmirch or talk ill of anyone with whom I worked because no one forced me to do anything. Come a point when I was more, I felt steadier and better about how I was in the world. And I came to realize I can't possibly be the only person that goes through something really devastating and has to put the pieces back mm -hmm. or start from zero. And because I don't want people to feel the empty, the useless and the dark that I lived for as long as I did, I decided because I'm not famous and I'm not in the media, the, and I'm not a teacher or a therapist, the most effective thing I can probably do is write a book. And so I mentioned it to a friend and he said, oh, did I know of his colleague who is a publisher and I, I hadn't. So I contacted them and got going on my manuscript, mm -hmm. which began, I would say officially, I think I officially, I started, I would go to the, one of the libraries in New York and in the summer when I was off from work and I would mm -hmm. you know, write, because I would take, one, take a pen and write it in a book because there was something uh, not organic, it felt, well, one of the things I became more dedicated to in my recovery was writing, like literally pen on paper. I'd always done this. Right. I have my, somewhere at my parents' house, I think my college date books exist, my law school date books, my grown-up date books are with me. Yeah. And even before Evernote and- We, we don't want to leave that at the parents' this, house. <laughs> well, I, hopefully they're locked somewhere. Yeah. I have, um, 
I was in the habit of writing. And neurologically though, it is a more effective action for the mind mm-hmm. in terms of its of your memory to write it than to type it. This, this science may change over time if it hasn't already. So I am writing this and I am someone who, I, I personally do really well and better with some sense of structure. Mm-hmm. So I went through a su- bunch of different outlines and a bunch of different kind of paths with, you know, writing about yourself, talking about yourself when you might talk a lot, but you don't talk about you. It's more difficult than right. um, one might think. At the same time, since my purpose was to create something that others could find useful, that kept me going, thinking to myself, for everyone that is in a bad place, you're doing this for them. You're not doing this for you. You're not doing this to get famous. You're not doing this to retire early. You're doing this to give people tactics, to give them tools, to give them insights, relevant, useful stuff. So where I felt challenged the most was in writing about that which I had not been able to go academic about. Mm. And that had to do with friends and people. And specifically people who are no longer part of my life due primarily to my conduct. And it's interesting you know, we talk about accountability mm-hmm. and when people offer to be your accountability partner, they're not looking to be your accountability partner to um, hold you to this promise you've made not to be a jerk right. or not to not show character. Mm-hmm. No, it's your accountability partner is usually to keep working out or yep. to continue to drink oat milk yep. or not to reconnect with an ex that was just nothing but bad. You know, as a person. For me, I had been unsuccessful in having the conversations with some people that I needed and wanted to have. And so while I did not desire to kind of therapize my story for people to read and then, I don't know, think that that was the way to do it. I decided the thing to do was I screwed it up. Best share what I did to screw it up. Mm. Because even if there's not a happy ending, there's an ending. Right. And there's a lesson within that. And that's a very long answer to your question. Sorry about that. No worries. Uh, I, 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 this is for future authors <laughs> and authors in the, in the making. Do not release your book in early December, not release your book during the Christian holiday season and the Jewish holiday season in Kwanzaa. Don't do it, don't do it. Oh yeah. And the reason why is unless you are already known or your your traditional publishing house has dedicated real budget and time Mm. and affect and effort to the release of your book, your book will not be seen. Now, yes, some people will see it at the same time. The traditional book houses, uh, there are fewer and fewer. And the independent stores are very specific about what they sell. Right. And 
it's important to remember that there are there are retailers other than Amazon on the web, mm-hmm. other than Barnes and Noble on the web. And we can certainly offline talk about this more. Yes. <laughs> um, I'll say this. Some people respond really well to uh, like writing groups, you know, like folk, like in a meetups kind yeah, of way, yeah. everyone gets together when we can all be in the room together again, get together and, you know, everyone writes their stuff. And similar yeah. to book club, you know, where people engage with each other. If that's useful to you, I say, do it. It would not have been a useful thing to me because mm-hmm. I was not looking for feedback yeah. while I was doing it. And also yeah. the among the impacts of my injury, which is a traumatic brain injury, I my nose no longer works. Rather, I don't have a sense of smell. And when you lose a sense, your other senses become stronger. So I no longer need glasses. And I also hear everything, everything. Lovely. Ambient noise is not my friend at all. And before the COVID, I was never going to Starbucks to work. One, I think the coffee sucks. And two, it's it's so loud. Not that it's bad. It, it distracts me. Right. And I would hear whatever the overhead music was, people, you know, making coffee and food, people at the tables. And one of the best scenes in old school is when Vince Vaughn tells the boy playing his son, you know, earmuffs. Yeah. He puts his little hands over his ears. Uh, you can't go through life earmuffs. Right. As much as, and as many bows, you know, Beats by Dre, you know, um, all these amazing, you know, headphones that exist. You can't go through life like that. So me personally, and since no one had ever suggested to me I write a book, I kept myself to myself doing it. Right. And while that worked for me, I don't know if maybe the next book will be like that. Maybe I'll, by that point, you know, be in a group or something about it. But when I felt stuck, I, I mean, not that you asked me this, but or maybe no. you did. When I felt stuck and I needed to keep going because you have due dates and deadlines, right. et cetera, I... As much as the way I had been trained, you know, like look at what you've got and make it better. And then you'll feel motivated to do something else. Uh, I decided not to do that because I didn't want to self edit. I wanted to write it all, right? you know, like brain dump it and with as much format and thoroughness and structure as possible, and then do a full complete edit on it. Yeah. I decided when I just, was felt run out of what I was doing to change topics and start new. Oh, wow. And that's what I did. So, and for there was a time when, you know, the chat, some of the chapters were incomplete because I ran out of what I could say that felt like me. Right. And felt useful mm-hmm. and felt actionable. And you've heard the book. So, mm-hmm. Right, read, heard. I can't remember. Did you read? You heard, you heard yeah, it? heard. Yeah. So I can't I'm, remember. I'm midway through. <laughs> You're fine. It's 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 long. I mean, it's not that long a book, but it's longer to hear it than it is to read it because you have the you have the option to kind of pause where you want to pause it because yeah. Sometimes I'm I'm a I'm a weirdo that I like to pause and be like, oh, let me just digest what I heard. I do the same when I read. Like sometimes I just need to stop and be like, oh. Let me appreciate that. So it takes me a, so a while. <laughs> so here's a question. How is that you a weirdo? How are you a weirdo with that? How is that weird? 
I guess it's not weird. I'm just unique. And- not weird. <laughs> it's not weird. It's not. I, I, if, you I, were in, if you were in school in a timed test and uh, you did that and the clock kept running, then that might be difficult. I don't yeah. think it's weird. Yeah, it, it no, was difficult because I was that this kid. all the time. We're humans, not robots. Yes, when people very true. do regular things that a heart-driven, you know, Being, came from yeah. monkey's person would do. And they are all shocked and appalled that they did it because they should be tougher and burlier and stronger with it. And I say, well, of course you cried during the end of love story or whatever. You're yeah. human. Right. Like, I don't even know if a robot wouldn't cry. I mean, that's a sad movie. I mean, it's also old as the hills, but it's a really sad movie. It's really good too. Um, Alan McGraw and Brian O'Neill and yeah. Um, in what, what, for me, when I another time when I got stuck, and then I'll move on to something else. Would like, would like, in an effort to make useful mm-hmm. and actionable my book, as well as to ensure that from jump, there the reader would be connected to what they would read. Mm-hmm. I open each chapter with not calls to action, mm-hmm. but description of what is to come in the chapter, Mm. how I felt, what I did, and what I learned. And so in my language, that becomes react, act, fact. Mm -hmm. If I do a republish, maybe I'll put those at the end of the chapters too. But for a book such as mine, and if people are writing personal development books, it is important to have something in your text in your copy that does call people to do something Mm -hmm. because as good as your stories are and as meaningful and as informative and as heartfelt and as funny and as devastating as they are, you're writing your book for other people Mm -hmm. and you must ensure that you are giving them a format, a style, a voice that will speak to them. Right. Which is very important. <laughs> I feel like they, like you said, it could be the bestest thing ever, and then, oh, that was a good book. That was really great. I loved it. I'll tell a few friends about it. But it's like a longing for like that extra thing of like, there's a call to action. Like, how can I use this in my everyday right. life? You know, how and, is this relevant to me? Right. Exactly. Someone, I got into it with someone uh, many several years ago, whose book was. Uh, being published in the same cycle as mine mm-hmm. and they were challenging me on my choice for cover art which is a very beautiful you know yeah. just image that yeah. I like and it, the back cover has colors from it that the artist I worked with made and I like yeah. and the cover act- picture actually is a stock photo that Jane Fonda used on Twitter last year at some point so I'm like yeah Jane Fonda go on yeah love her it's just, but it's my colors and that and it's why we chose it so they were not giving me a hard time, just of the mind that a survivor of a traumatic brain injury who wrote a book about the life after that, it made sense to have something phrenology, the, you know, images of the brain on the book cover. And she was troubled why I didn't. Hmm. And I said, well, the primary reason I didn't is because my book may be about me as a survivor of a traumatic brain injury. And it's not about 
the brain. I mean, I'm, I was very specific mm-hmm. not to get all deep into neuroscience right. or the medical aspects of it, not because I don't think it's interesting, not because I don't think it's important that the world know about it. And the way I could be useful, I think, was by telling a story for people who had gone through something traumatic, be it a per- physical injury or something in their personal and professional life. And that would not necessarily limit people who suffered brain injuries or brain trauma, right. aneurysm, stroke, uh, concussion, uh, and all the other things that the NFL doesn't talk about. Oh. The CTE, CTE can't be identified, diagnosed until the person's dead. So it was fascinating to me that someone would, that that's the question they ask me when we're going through it, you know, everyone's looking at everyone's, you know, mock copies and stuff. Yeah. I just, it was really interesting. And it, it was actually a very important thing to happen before my book had uh, come out because it prepared me to a degree mm-hmm. for how unready people are to both know someone's full story right. and possibly share something from their own. Right. And it doesn't, and I, I'll say this, when, what I said earlier about don't release your book, you know, during the um, winter holiday season, there's an interesting push now to, you know, make a really big deal about your book, you know, make a trailer for it, like it's a movie and um, have people, give people, um, the galleys or the unpublished copies before you publish and they can put their reviews on Amazon Mm -hmm. uh, before it's published. Amazon's come down hard on this. I don't recommend people do that. Um, Amazon's gotten really much stricter about how they vet the Mm -hmm. allowed reviews. So um, I understand why people, why people do that. And I've participated in some of that and to help people, people's book when it public, when it's published appear as though it's already successful. I, don't think that that's a bad thing. Um, I didn't do that. And I'm maybe with the next book, I will. I guess the point is very few things sell themselves. Right. I mean, the people that do, their show is ending on E this season. And so sayonara, thanks for all us. Uh huh. So other than that, things don't sell themselves. I mean, there is either a history an expectation, an experience, or an affiliate that moves it. And it's important that authors know that whether or not their book immediately comes in Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Chicago Tribune, San Francisco, whatever, Houston Chronicle, bestseller, mm-hmm. whether or not it gets there, whether or not it ever gets there, it does not mean it's not spectacular. Right. that's a great mindset one that I'm trying to stick with because I even wrote it I even wrote it I was like even if five people buy this and I've touched five people that's great and awesome but then I also said on the flip side dream big put it into the world if Netflix wants to give me a special like they did Michelle Obama for her book release go ahead (laughs) I will gladly accept it but at the end of the day I just want to share it and 
like you said, let people know you not you are not alone. You not alone. You're not alone in this world when bad things happen. People are here to help. What you what you will do when you are closer to completing your manuscript and whether you are self-publishing, independently publishing, or traditionally publishing, you will have reached out to the organizations, the people, the companies that will find your book relevant, Mm -hmm. useful, meaningful, and the wagons will circle, okay? I, again, I didn't do a lot of this, primarily because I was too close in my vulnerability Mm -hmm. to actively believe that there was a serious audience for my book. Right. I've never said that publicly. I'm mm. saying it here because that's you know, the power. That's the power of Sunshine Steven. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. First anniversary so tomorrow, March 25th, 2021. Yes. What's up? <laughs> and what I ought to have done when I was not lagging, but I didn't kind of go full force on mm-hmm. my book release was to remember that happiness and neuroscience go hand in hand. And had I felt good and positive and super, you know, like Wonder Woman about it, Mm -hmm. my mind would have released probably so much dopamine and serotonin. I might've called Gail King myself. Right. And like, yo, CBS this morning. (laughs) I mean, not that I know her, but I could, you know, I would contact CBS, et cetera. Because I can't, honestly, I can't believe that I didn't, I did, it did not, that didn't occur to me because when in my recovery and the couple of years following it, when I felt low, I had become aware of some of the neuroscience about Mm -hmm. positivity. And I knew that when you feel good, your mind releases dopamine and serotonin, two neurotransmitters that do really good things. They're positive chemicals, which is what we used to call drugs. Um, or the drugs weren't legal. And when we feel low, which happens a lot, you know, um, we increase our cortisol, which is a not so great hormone, really. I mean, we need need it. Mm. We don't need a ton of it though, because it makes us fat. It makes it hard to sleep. Mm. So in these times when I was feeling all kind of, yeah, not meh about my book, but kind of mid-level positive, what I ought to have done He's done the stuff that I did when I felt low. Go to my Pandora and, you know, say to Pandora, play, you know, the Robin Thicke station, the Jose James station, the Audra McDonald station, Mm -hmm. the Mahalia Jackson, whatever. All the artists that I had discovered during this time or that I had loved since I was a young person, Billy Porter, all these musicians, I should have gone for walks, you know, and you know, like gone all the kind of circumventy ways that I walk around Manhattan and Brooklyn. Right. And I didn't. So I say this to people, you know, the thought release chemicals, um, all thoughts release chemicals. Mm. And as obvious as it may be, positive thoughts produce serotonin and negative thoughts produce cortisol. Rather, I mean, they they increase cortisol. Mm -hmm. So positive thoughts decrease cortisol. And newsflash, you want low cortisol. Right. So <laughs> be nice to yourself. <laughs> be right? positive. I 100% agree. And I, I, 
I feel like music is such a big thing too because I am like but I I admit sometimes as a true Pisces and emotional person um I do allow myself sometimes like Pisces Aries bridge though yeah very true I do allow myself I will put on some Adele cry it out let myself get it out and be like all right now put on Beyonce let me take on the world (laughs) like but but do you karaoke the Adele and the Beyonce oh no, they're way out of my range. Right. Oh no, because 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 you're more Pisces than Aries. Yeah, exactly. And when we do your when we do your full chart, then we'll see where your rising is, and we can come to all exactly. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, um, that would terrify me to even one, try. Something that you're funny. Something that got me through a lot of this stuff. You know what? Because when I was younger, you know, I when I felt low, I might go shopping, mm. or I might go out, or. I stopped smoking weed when I, I, sm- I stopped smoking weed in the fall of 2008. So maybe I would, you know, roll a bowl. But what I found at the time, and this is something I lean on every day, is feeling grateful. Mm-hmm. Feeling grateful for people, feeling grateful for things, feeling grateful for happenings. When I moved back to New York in September 2009, you know, in the morning, I'd wake up and before the COVID and, you know, traffic was regular. Right. People lean on their horns, you know, and they scream and yell. And maybe that would wake me up or not. And every morning that I woke up, from the time I was released from the hospital, the first thing I'd say when I'd wake up was, thank you. Because I got to wake up. Right. Because there was a time during my coma that they were thinking I might not come out of it. So gratitude is 100%, everything yeah. and genuine gratitude. Yeah. You know, no, nothing false, you know, right. like if the coffee you made's not great, then okay. Uh, at the same time, you got to make coffee. Yeah, exactly. There's some and people that don't even have access to that. <laughs> so you can dump it out and either drink water or go right. get coffee or make new one. But gratitude it is i'm 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 truly fascinated by people that don't feel grateful for mm. doesn't have to be anything huge yeah you no know, it doesn't mean you have to you know win powerball or you know always be a size four if you're a woman or defining as a woman i mean there's lots of things to be grateful about 100%. i was gratefully back in my apartment and you know kind of on the routes that I know in the neighborhood. And, you know, mm-hmm. this guy, you know, I know which guy at the deli makes the better coffee. And, you know, when the lights, when the time of the lights changes, so that's time to really be sure I head to the airport or, you know, the, the simple things, the basic things that even though my life had gone completely 180 and was so far from being fixed or repaired, mm-hmm. there were some things that I could look to that were unchanged. Right. And that stability gave me not a false sense of security, um, a feeling that there were things that were all right. Right. And one day I would be too. Exactly. And I'm, I'm hoping, praying, putting good vibes out there that other people are picking up on this, especially now with the pandemic. Just like you were saying, like the, the little things... I remember when, because um, we were still in North Carolina last year, everything was closed down for such a long time. But like, 
oh, our favorite local coffee place opened up for the drive-thru. And I was like, I was crying. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Just little things that you take for granted. And you're like, this is amazing. This is great. And so I'm just, I'm seeing a little bit of a movement where people are starting to realize like, life isn't that bad. You know, there's so much to be grateful for. Like you said, you don't have to be winning the Powerball or look like uh, a fitness guru and you know you can it could be the little things it could be oh my favorite coffee place is open I can go get coffee now 100% um a close friend of our family um gave me a spectacular book mm-hmm. when I was staying at my parents house and I went to lunch one day Kathy O'Neill if you're listening to this I love you thank you Kathy gave me a book by the Cleveland Plain Dealer columnist and NPR host, Mm. Regina Brett. I think this is Regina's second book. It's called God Never Blinks. Mm. It's glorious. And I read it deeply, cover to cover. And I talk about it in my book. And the story that Regina talked about and what I extracted from it that stuck with me the most is she discusses her diagnosis of breast cancer Mm. and how she worked, you know, surgery, treatments, all this, you know, survives cancer-free. And her mindset following that is her being in this world, she gets to do stuff. She gets to wake up. She gets to nurse her daughter. She gets to go to work. She gets to go to the gas station. And this concept of getting to when the universe has decided it's not through with you yet is like a gift. And so as frustrated as I get with various things in life and as much turmoil as I create for myself, (laughs) when I get to do that, and when something wonderful happens, like my nephew does well in school or he you know, has some story he wants to share with me or someone who really truly earned the Grammy wins the Grammy. Don't get when, me started. <laughs> I mean, really too many award shows. I'm sorry. Enough. enough. I was, I, I will other, say was- other than NAACP image awards, I'll be tuning in this Saturday because, you know, my friend and mentor, 15 year old Ian Michael Brock will be on awesome. that. Muscle code respect. That's awesome. Um, I, I mean, that I can, that I can look at all, go through all my crazy bookcases and find one of my books by my Angelou and see the, you know, quote from Still I Rise that I put on my senior page in the yearbook in high school. And Nikki Giovanni said something to James Baldwin when they were in a conversation in London in November, 1971. She said, to Mr. Baldwin, if you don't understand yourself, you don't understand anybody else. Mm. And that is something, had I, been, had I become aware of that statement, as much as I've read her poetry since I was 11, that notion would have been very helpful to me when I was writing my book. Right. And while I think theoretically I got that, if you don't understand yourself, you don't understand anybody else. Now, this must be true. And if it is true, well, I just said it is. 
<laughs> then we've got way too many elected people in the House and Senate that do not understand themselves. 100%. At least I hope they don't. Because who the heck knows who they're working for? Right. Not their constituents. <laughs> for Republicans. sure. Yeah. Oh, fucking Republicans. <laughs> Have I taken us off topic? No, I think it's beautiful. I think it's um, amazing nuggets of wisdom for people that are wanting to share their story too. So you you covered writing and then the advice for people who want to share their story. Um, so I enjoyed all that and I, I will move on to other questions, but before we do, I do have to give a shout out to your book title, Believe It, Have It. Believe is my favorite word of all time. Oh, that's nice. I'm glad. And it's actually, uh, I don't know if you can see it, but it's tattooed on my wrist. Oh, look at that. On your my, left wrist. That's awesome. On my left no, wrist. Believe it, believe it and behave it. Behave it, not behave it. I'm so dumb. I was so yes. excited about believe. that. I, fine. <laughs> You're the, hey, audience, he said he's dumb. I didn't say he's dumb. I, Wait. not Wait. dumb, but I missed Stop. No, I was just so excited because believe is this, and I was, that's why right. I, when I heard about you and everything, I was like, believe. I just stopped reading after that because I was like, oh, I have to talk to her because <laughs> that's my favorite I, word. I appreciate it. Thank you. Enough said. The, I gave the, the tattoo. The, on me the title. I, I'm glad you like. I'm glad. Well, believe is the real thing. Yeah. I. Someone asked me, like, what was was it? They said to me, oh, it's like the gift, and I said, mm, not quite sure if it's like the gift, right? But. If it sells like the gift, then I certainly will accept that. Sure. Then where I came to believe it and behave it is growing up and through college, I heard a lot of fake it till you make it Mm. or some similar something. Yeah. And that has never worked for me ever, ever. And it also, and, and the times that I have tried it, complete fails, yeah. disasters. So, and you know, because I am a brain injury survivor, there needs to be a smidgen of something accurate neurologically within all this. Right. And the truth is, if you don't really think it's possible, you can't actually do it. Mm-hmm. So that's how I landed on believe it and behave it. And then just so we're clear that it's not like a fun Z alliterative continent you know thing that you can easily hashtag which you can yeah my sub is how to restart reset and reframe your life because you may not need to do all three i know Mm. i did and someone may not need to do all of them right because to restart is not the same as to reset Mm -hmm. and to reframe is often the most difficult because when we the only person that's reframing it is us right our perception of what's going on, our conscience of what is happening. But thanks for the title, love. I appreciate it. Yes, I, I enjoy it thoroughly. Um, moving on to <laughs> more personal stuff, questions about you. Um, nothing too invasive, though. <laughs> like, what's your address? We're gonna, I'm gonna show up. No. <laughs> um, so one question I always ask, and I'm so curious to see because it ranges from, you know, like famous people like, oh, Oprah or, oh, my grandmother. Um, and more recently, people have said like a group of people like, oh, medical workers or anything like that. So I always ask guests, who inspires you? The first 
inspiring, influencing people in my life, separate from my parents and my younger brother, right, were musicians, mm. specifically black musicians who my parents played on vinyl in the house radio all the time. Paul Robeson, Marian Anderson, Leontine Price, Jesse Norman, Kathleen Battle, and this woman's not a black singer. She is an author of uh, my favorite book as a child. Her name is Jen Lee Roy. The book is called Bridget. Mm. And while I, I did actually meet Jesse Norman once, which passed, rest in peace, I would say that the greatest influence in my life, a real person that I was honored to know, I won't say was, even though he's passed, is William Appling, the first music teacher with whom I had the privilege of working in high school. He was the person who helped me believe that if I wanted to be someone and do something, I could do it. As much as my parents encouraged me, sure, they had to, they're my parents. This is a person, a composer, a lyricist, a pianist, you know, the leader of the department, an activist, an advocate, and a black man in the United States. I mean, what I learned from him was wanting it was the first step mm-hmm. and the tactics to success would follow. Thanks to him, civil justice became an actionable thing in my life. And it was no longer something I read about or saw on an old 60 Minutes or heard on a record. So from the time I was 14 and you know, then he left the school because he was fired, Um, year after that, I can count on one hand the times I'd seen him since he left school. And I'm very grateful to have connection to his foundation, his daughter, his partner. And I will forever be living in respect and with honor for having the opportunity to have worked with him. Beautiful. I think, I think educators, I go in a lot in my book about how great educators are and they don't realize how much of an impact they can give. 100%. And they don't even realize. 100%. There are, there are two professors from college that I would speak, you know, fondly of for certain. And one of the deans, two or three professors from law school, uh, someone, when one, someone, someone with whom I did not work but was a professor there, and I said this to someone a few months ago. I was in every way more affected by the faculty at my high school mm-hmm. than I was by college and law school. Now, this doesn't mean anything about them. Right. This is about me, and it was, and how grateful I am that I worked with the people I did, and maybe because you know the mind is certainly fully so much less formed when we're you know adolescents. Right. Sure. At the same time, I mean, I would lay on train tracks for some of these teachers, uh, including Mr. Appling, that I had, and I, as that was in my faculty at Western Reserve Academy in Hudson, Ohio. Definitely. Yeah. My mom is a Montessori teacher. I mean, my friends that are educators, you know, I have so much respect for them. I spoke with someone last year or late in 19 about going back to school to get my degree for teaching. And she's the department head of a school in Rockland County, Mm -hmm. which is not far from Manhattan. And 
I said, look, my only hesitation is I, I'm, I don't learn the same as I did before I was hurt. And I'm concerned that, you know, if I'm responsible for students whose parents um, are incarcerated or, you know, single parent families and like that, those are, these are children that I've, you know, tutored over the years in different organizations. Mm-hmm. I certainly am aware of what's not appropriate and right. what the boundaries are. Um, I wonder some, if I'd be better to, you know, be a social worker or be a counselor. And she said, you know, basically the, it's kind of, it's fairly hard charging, you know, if you, mm-hmm. depending on the state, depending on public, private, parochial, you know, charter, it's going to be about the regents exams and the SAT. And, you know, it is, she didn't say this and the way, what I extracted from it's a business. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I have the, I think I have the stamina, mm-hmm. not sure though. I have the ability to be fully intellectual about it. Mm-hmm. And since we have so much to repair after Betsy DeVos mm. <laughs> and her quote work quote. Yeah. She probably doesn't we'll really spell it. Fix that, no, fix that yeah. stuff. Because, you know, and I'm white. So I know very little about the real struggles within mm. education for young people. Mm-hmm. It's um, yep. work. I like I that's said, its she, own, that's, its, that's its own show. Yeah, she can't even so, spell work probably. Can't <laughs> like, money. Yeah. Um, also, again, shout out to all you educators out there for doing awesome. the damn thing because amazing. Uh, now it's time for my one of my favorite parts. It's rapid fire questions. Awesome. So I'm going to pick a few random ones. Let me flip to one. There's no random. You decided. True. You yeah. decided. <laughs> I'm a light. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. What, uh, ooh, what is one fictional place you would like to visit and why? The fictional place that I would love to visit is the um, where E.M. Forster's book Howard's End takes place mm-hmm. uh, outside of London. I forget um, the the county um, where it is. And um, there's a remarkable Japanese film that came out in the late 90s called In the Mood for Love. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go to that place in Japan where it was set. The reason I want to go to both of these places is aesthetically, each of them were as much a part of the story mm-hmm. as the characters and the happenings and the, you know, makings of from the book. And there is something about where something happens mm-hmm. that means so much to the story. And not to cite Hamilton, though, when Bird sings the, when the room where it happens, I mean, that has a lot to do with stuff, right. not only for the furniture and the wall trimmings. And if there are candles or incense or, you know, um, sage or something burning, right. there's an energy. Definitely. Wherever that is. And that stuff fascinates me. Oh, yeah. That's my answer to that. That's awesome. Two good places to to go to. I'm always such a kind of basic. I'm always like, bring me to Hogwarts, <laughs> just without J.K. Rowling. Um, You're about as opposite of basic <laughs> as I am from looking cute with red hair. 
So let's just be clear. <laughs> okay, good. Thanks. There's no basic. <laughs> I just, uh, I actually wrote. Yes, uh, it's not like Hogwarts is a 7-Eleven. Yeah. I mean, Hogwarts <laughs> is, you know, like you have to take an invisible train. Train to get, goodness yeah. Goodness knows where to get there. Exactly. And then it's not just the classrooms. Right. And it's not just the dorms. And it's not just the looking like the place where they eat an Oliver Twist, where they have meals. <laughs> the great hall, yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. I, yeah, I feel like I wouldn't. Stop. I would Nothing be... basic, basic with <laughs> now. Stop. Uh, this will be interesting, um, especially because you might have not been able to eat at this place for a while because of the pandemic. Uh, what is one of your favorite local places to eat? Oh, well, that's easy because I live in Manhattan. And so mm-hmm. you can't There's... walk a block without <laughs> right, something. a restaurant. So within uh, my uh, purview, there is, I've not been to Hawaii yet. So mm-hmm. I'm confident that this will, you know, match up very well. A couple of blocks from my apartment is the original Sons of Thunder. Mm-hmm. It is the most insane poke, I think, that exists outside of Hawaii. And uh, these, the folks, the brothers that run the restaurant, they decided last year in, as the first day at home order was being directed by the mayor of New York and the governor, Governor Cuomo, we trust you, you're fine. Don't even sweat, leave it. Um, They decided that what they, a way they could be of service to the frontline workers at the hospitals was to make meals for them for free. That's amazing. all, so everything there is bespoke. There is no made in advance, mm. you know, sitting under a heat lamp. Oh, the fish yeah. that's in the poke is delivered whole, okay? And it's remarkable, ethical, clean, delicious. So they raised money. I did what I could to help them raise money to pay for meals for mm. frontline workers at the hospitals in all the five boroughs. Oh, wow. They also decided during the time when people were working at home or not working to upgrade their menu uh, to include the things that they were initially going to serve when they opened the restaurant. Oh, they wow. opened the restaurant with the notion they'd be a burger place. Right. Like California sub burgers, like smash, smash burgers. Yeah, yeah. And Con Edison though, hadn't done the wiring correctly mm. to have generate enough energy so the flat tops could, you know, be what ran the show. Right. So on, uh, on a dime, they moved it from burgers to poke because they'd grown up with parents that taught them how to make it and they ate it as kids. And so they added burgers, which are insane, mm. to the menu, which are still on the menu, thank the heavens. It makes me really happy, not in an ironical sort of way, in a genuine sort of way, is that a block from Sons of Thunder is the my neighborhood's um, uh, Shake Shack, which of mm. course is Danny Meyer's publicly traded burger place that sells ice creams that what the world must know, a concrete is not Danny Meyer. Mm. A concrete is what they make in St. Louis, uh, which is a, I think was came of the family that runs the place Ted Drew's. Mm. And it's a concrete because they add malt to the ice cream before it goes in the yeah. thing to spin it. So FYI, a concrete is not Danny Meyer's thing. This public service announcement. Shake Shack, which rightly so, was successful from jump, 
makes the burger. It does not make a burger like they make it at Sons of Thunder. Mm-hmm. And if people are interested, it's sonsofthunder.com. The more you know. <laughs> now I'm so Seriously. interested when I go to New York. I just Oh my gosh, when your husband, New Brandon, come to New York, you're, we're so going there. Yeah, I'm so excited. I will still live here when you are here. I okay. will make that happen. <laughs> you're like, sorry, I can't move yet until these right? two. Uh, awesome. Next question. And this is not meant for like, materialistic reasons, but your favorite um, object that you own? My favorite object that I own is, I think it was made in 1923. It's um, an old school Brownie Hawkeye camera Mm -hmm. that when old school cameras were boxes, like little square boxes, little boxes. (laughs) Shout out to Marylis Parker and Weeds. and they had a handle at the top, kind of like an old school little boxy little purse, maybe yeah, like, yeah. Like, like a wristlet. So, and the trick, the thing was, you would look down at this little box you were holding. The lens would face your subjects, and I there's something about and I love photography, and I, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm no and not a photographer, but I do like to take pictures. Um, one of my favorite things to do when I travel somewhere is to go to antique shops and flea markets and see what people in the area feel uh, is valuable or was Mm -hmm. valuable. And so I can't recall where I bought this Hawkeye. It doesn't work anymore, though maybe if I found some really smart engineering, they could make it work again. This notion though, that someone for not quite a hundred years used this camera to take photos of travel, of family, Mm -hmm. of friends, of, you know, wherever they were. And they held it like, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of which, um, is it Aladdin? Like who's like spinning a little thing between their hands, like casting spells and, you know, not to make it all white magic or whatever. Um, this this notion that the camera, you know, it's held very close it's to It's magical, you. yeah. I think so. Yeah. And so that is, I, I didn't have to think hard. I mean, I am grateful to own things that belong to my ancestors, but, mm. and I'm, I don't tend to wear them because I don't feel comfortable wearing them. I keep them in a box yeah. in my bedroom. But there's something about this, this Hawkeye that um, the stories it could tell. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was about to That's how we feel anytime Chakra is two game in. We like to go antique shocking, shopping. And every time I'm like, ah, if this article of clothing, if this picture could talk and it's like, there's just so many different things that the camera's probably more well-traveled than me. Like, there, it's just so awesome. Yeah. That's such an awesome I thing wish, to have. I wish that... I love going to flea markets. And mm-hmm. while I always hope to buy something, I, I hope to buy something that feels like it has a story. Right, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I certainly... I would love... If consigning was something that had not become just a retail, like mm-hmm. a revenue stream. You know, there's something really wonderful at going to the small antique shops mm-hmm. or the small um, uh, resale stores, you know, in, um, I don't think they exist in big cities anymore, but in the, in the, in most of the suburbs, I think in the U S mm-hmm. you can find them and there might be a mission chair or a Tiffany lamp mm-hmm. or a Diane von Furstenberg wrap dress from the seventies. Whether there is or is not, when you look for real, 
you might come upon a cigarette case mm -hmm. with initials of someone. I, I collect those. I collect cigarette. I used to collect cigarette cases. And I always looked at the ones that were, uh, that had um, etchings or engravings. Yeah. I felt bad for a second because it meant something to someone and now it wasn't theirs. And I figured it probably was someone who had passed and, yeah. you know, the children didn't want it. So similar to um, the, the little Hawkeye, there is something about a cigarette case. Also, they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like whether they're Deco, Nouveau, the, the cigarette brands made them. I mean, it's as much of an accessory as a hat mm -hmm. or a purse or earrings. Yeah, they put a lot of thought and style into them for sure. Totally, yeah, totally, totally. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I love going, and I know you've mentioned too, like we are big uh, record collectors and stuff. And I will never forget the time we went to one of our favorite places and there was a buttload of Judy Garland records. And I just grabbed them all and was like, I want, I want all of them. <laughs> it was amazing. That's huge. That's so, huge. Yeah. So thank you for answering those. Random. No, I appreciate it. No, are you kidding? My, um... uh, sure. Yeah. What records do you like to? Oh, well, I am. If we were on camera, I'd move everything over to see where my vinyl is because and I intend one day, hopefully, to inherit my father's. <laughs> um, I'm so grateful for the um, for the musicians that choose to put their work on vinyl. Mm hmm. There's something so wonderful about that, whether it's the liner notes or whatever. Um, I am, I mean, I if we were talking about music, that would probably be three shows worth. <laughs> the artists whose vinyl I like to listen to, um, Black Alicious, Cassandra Wilson, Jose James, Grant Green, Thelonious Monk, Cannibal Adderley, um, a lot of jazz, mm -hmm. um, a lot of soul music. My I, my Discogs is full of almost entirely Minnie Ripperton and Leon Ware. There is something so real mm -hmm. about, about live music yeah. and about music that was, I mean, particularly older music, you know, like I have an original, you know, well, first press Love Supreme by John Coltrane mm -hmm. and which I found at the best used bookstore in Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, Illinois, Tri-State, which is called Last Exit Books in Kent, mm -hmm. Ohio. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm amongst the things that have been, I think, challenging for everybody since about a year ago with the COVID pandemic right. was concerts not happening, in-person concerts. And I had tickets Whether it's a small a venue concert, or yeah. a big arena. It's real. It, and I have for the not, audience, for the musicians, for the production I, teams. It, it sucks because it's, and for me, I haven't been able to go to many concerts I've lived a deprived life within that aspect. And I had tickets. Me and my husband were going to go see um, Melanie Martinez, who we adore. She was on The Voice a couple years ago. Yep. Um, and it got canceled, of course. And I was so upset because I was like, I was so looking forward to this. And it was like a cute 
little venue in Charlotte, North Carolina, where you, you were outside. And I was just like, oh, I'm so ready for this. And then it, oh, it got canceled. Did she decide to do anything streaming? Like anything she did. small? She okay. did. Awesome. Yeah, she did a live um, concert, which I watched and was obsessed with. And I was like, well, I'll catch so you next time, Melanie, because it totally, was so good. Totally. Yes. Totally. Yeah, it, it, I'm ready for everything to be open back up and get the opportunity to go to more concerts because that's been one of my totally. bucket listings because I've only been to about three or four or so. I'll my, change. My husband has only been to one and mm-hmm. as my wedding gift to him, I took him to see Lady Gaga, which nice. Wow. You can't go wrong there. And he was like, well, this." I was like, now I feel like I, I kind of kicked myself because I'm like, how do I... I can't be like, oh, let's go see this indie artist who's going to be like, mm, you started with Lady Gaga. <laughs> Maybe it's his turn to, exactly. like, to, to choose who you guys see because his music taste has evolved and developed further. Oh, yeah. We de- we were very, very upset when we were <gasps> so close to getting tickets to see Lizzo when she was in Charlotte and it sold out. And I, I, was, I was like, maybe I can. <laughs> I was like, maybe I could find a scouter. Maybe I could. I was I was planning to break the law. I was like, I want to go see Lizzo so bad, but I, he talked me out of it. So a show like that by a remarkable person like that mm-hmm. is, this is why um, instant, instant seats and all those exist, you know, because they're not scalpers. I mean, a lot of times people sell their own tickets because yeah. they can't go. Yes, to see Lizzo live would be, a gift uh, uh, for sure oh 100 for sure yes it's a, we're on a mission now when whenever she decides to grace us with her next album if she goes on tour i want to be there i don't care her instagram the, is take, so glorious as to just and she's killing it in tiktok <laughs> i am i'm really grateful for the musicians that decided to whether it's via their Patreon mm-hmm. experience, and we're, I'm talking about Vintage Trouble, Jose James, Talib Kweli, you know, um, Nate Mangard, uh, amazing people that, you know, are, you know, headliners. Mm-hmm. And with the access to their venues denied, mm. they did not deny us. Right. They are not denying us. And, you know, Versus all this, I mean, I'm really excited about the one coming up because I've seen Earth, Wind and Fire live more than once. And I've seen Philip Bailey live as a solo artist. And so for these young cats, cause kids, I'm 46 and a half. For these young kids that don't know, that do not know Earth, Wind and Fire, school will be in session. Great thing about Versus is I don't think anyone really cares about who wins, at least I don't. Yeah. I mean, it's never kind of A plus and D minus. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I'm not sure either of the artists are looking to win. Mm-hmm. How is it? How, what's to win? Right. It's the just awesome. Are the winners? <laughs> I mean, there aren't as many duets between you know name artists as there were back in the '80s and '90s. Like one of the first duets I loved as a you know middle school child was "Easy Lover" by Phil Collins and Philip Bailey. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you need to put that on your Spotify when we're done because you will love Ciao. it. I mean, I, I don't want to yell loud because I can tell Pan, I can tell Alexa to play it, but I want to, you know, I'll, yeah. I already messed things up by taking that my my phone rang. <laughs> no, I thought I sounded, but I guess I didn't. No, I was one of the phones, not the other. I've done that before, where uh, now I have to say my Echo Dot because I'll be talking about like, oh, I tell my 
Echo Dot, because she will go off and be like, what? Did you say something? <laughs> I'm like, I'm recording right now. Calm down, girl. She's great, though. Um, so that that kind of leads me to my next, next two questions. Um, mental health and recommendations, of course. So mental health, yeah. I'm very big on breaking the stigma. Um, it sounds like music is one of them, but what else do you do to keep your mental health in check? So... I think multitasking is fooey. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that people claim they are good at it. And it's one reason that they are a dragon slayer is because they can do several things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody can. And nobody can do all of those things well at right. the same time. Exactly. So I make every effort not to do that. Like at the moment with one of my jobs, I have a task that is challenging for me because in transcribing material and people are talking very quickly, um, you know, I can only type, I I could type at 1.77 words a minute, but Mm -hmm. I can't do that anymore. And I don't have one of the pedals that um, they have on movie sets and you can, um, you know, use tap your foot to stop them, stop people talking. Mm -hmm. I don't have that. I have the computer. Um, So among the things that challenge me is to get this done and get it done well and get it done within the time frame. Uh, I can only do that. Another thing that I do less consistently than I must is I begin my day with the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And whether it's because I have the most energy or because I've identified that it's most important, I start the day with it. And so you know that I'm not going to get much done really well if I cook something boat, but if I cook something really amazing at the first part of the day. Where mental health is concerned, I'm very grateful to have eschewed this stigma of um, clinical, psychological, psychiatric therapy from a young age. And I'm very grateful to have required myself to be open to the different ways that one can be assisted here. And when I was in recovery and my sitting at my parents' house, I did two kinds of therapy. I went to work with a neuropsychologist mm-hmm. and a regular psychologist. While that was my, the regular psychologist or the traditional psychologist rather was my choice, I needed to work with her because I needed to figure out who I was again as a person, as a girl that would eventually date again and actually dated too soon and be someone's friend and their daughter and their sister and eventually someone's wife, mother, which I was not doing in the cognitive neuropsychology therapy mm-hmm. in learning to do math again and the crossword puzzle and how to drive again and how to you know, um, actually respond to something instead of react to it. Mm-hmm. And without question, one of the most meaningful therapeutic things I have ever done in my life is work with a clinical hypnotherapist here in New York City. Her name is Carla Lightfoot, Carla with a K. I will forever be indebted to her for having helped me through so much darkness that Mm. I had not realized was still there. Mm. Things that had come up when I was nine, 11, 17, in my thirties, yeah. All about it. Yeah, therapy. When I when I journal, <laughs> I journal at night. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, um, and Julia Cameron talks about right in the morning. Right. I, I do it at night. I do um, too. Particularly, 
particularly because if the day was rotten mm -hmm. or if something came up that just really threw me off, I am better to uh, extract it and remove what is almost poison before I go try to go to sleep. So, so the next day I can wake up fresh, new, Clean ready start. for yeah. better. No, nope. that's, that's me and that. Yeah, I definitely have. I, I think the same thing I, I do journal at night and I'm like, get it all out and then wake up and be like, yesterday was yesterday. Today is today. Move on. <laughs> and, but I, I'll go through it, you know, I'll read them. Mm -hmm. and, oh yeah. You know, cause as someone who I would love to think that I'm not a pattern person, though, I think all of us have, I mean, wouldn't call, I wouldn't call. Yeah. I, I mean, they're not habits. Yeah. They're not, you know, um, things like a stuck needle on a record right, right, right. Um, at the same time. Yeah. And then happily though, there will be the breakthrough, mm -hmm. which will come when we don't expect it. Yeah. At least I'm telling myself that about exactly. something that's going on right now. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what's happened in the past. Oh yeah. That's, it's totally, you're like, Oh, well darn. I didn't realize it's like <laughs> as corny as it sounds when they are like, you know, Oh, when you least expect it, when you're not looking, it's when it will happen. Um, I found it to be true. Yeah, fingers crossed. I I, I truly believe. Um, awesome. So this okay. So recommendations is always one of my favorite things. So if you can recommend any um, TV shows, music, podcasts, books, or as my husband yells at my dogs to shut up in the background because <laughs> they keep barking. Awesome. Um, if you could recommend anything that it doesn't have to be new, it could be something that you just discovered, um, something that you're like, oh, I have to share this with the world. What recommendations would you have? So we'll start first with books, I guess. Awesome. Because, you know. So um, Adam Grant, who is, um, I think, the favorite professor at um, Wharton for good reasons. His book, Originals, is spectacular. And his new book is called Think Again. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I cannot recommend it high enough. Taleb Kuali's book, Vibrate Higher. So good, so good, so important. And everything about John Lewis, by him, about him. I am big and deep with that. Additionally, this is a book that I love, that I wish. I wish this book, I wish this book had existed when I was in school, not that I went to cooking school. <laughs> um, and it doesn't need to be in cooking school because it's just about life. Right. Is Notes from a Black Young, excuse me, Notes from a Young Black Chef mm -hmm. by Kwame Anwachi. Beautiful. And I'm writing all these down. I swear I'm not looking. And his last name over. is O N W U A C H I. Of all the things Lynn, Mem Lynn Manuel Miranda has written, what a lot of people don't know is his book, Good Morning, Good Night, Little Pep Talks for Me and You. He wrote it and Johnny Sun illustrated it. I love it. It's kept by my bed. I love it so much. In fact, in one of my, uh, in one of the book vendor carts, not Amazon, I have 12 copies of it because I want to give it to a lot of people. That's how good it is. And for everyone, whether they are writing a book or an artist or musician or not, 
Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art. And Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection. People talk about her other books and I don't deny them. And her first book, The Gifts of Imperfection was for me, the book. Shout out to my friend, Josh, for giving it to me, for telling me about it. The, the, those are the best types of friends. When I was and in recovery. I, when I was, and I, when I learned about it when I was a little later in recovery, but um, yeah. Still very proud, yeah. I love those friends. I wrote everything down. Um, well, I'm, I appreciate it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you later too offline. <laughs> um, music. Prince. Mm. Thelonious Monk. Sting. Tina Marie, Jose James, Black Alicious, mm -hmm. Mahalia Jackson. Now this I could go on, so I'll stop myself. <laughs> Movies. And you've said you've said other it, it, people get it. Yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah, music is powerful. Facts. Movies. Blind spotting. This is Davi Diggs and Rafael Casals. If you have, this movie came out in 2018, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Blind spotting, one word. The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, The Holiday, The Thomas Crown Affair, the original, and the sequel's good too. And then the Hitchcock trifecta in my mind, Notorious, Rear Window, and spellbound. Oh, North by Northwest. There's, a, there's actually a Hitchcock quintet. Notorious, spellbound, rear window, vertigo. And what's the other one that I said? Can I say another one? I think that's it. Maybe it's a quartet. Doesn't matter. But it's not. Oh, North by Northwest. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Cary Grant. Honestly, anything that that Cary Grant is in. Yeah. Anything. Oh, and Charade. Him and Audrey Hepburn. Forget it. You haven't seen that movie and you haven't seen The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. You have not seen cinema. Cinema. I'll definitely check them out as well. Um, any cool. TV shows that you've, or really, I use TV loosely because I feel sure. like nobody has. TV now. Yeah, it's really streaming platforms right now right. <laughs> totally so pose is a life-changing program mm -hmm. i'm so grateful i was alive when it began and i'll be alive as it wraps this show is no longer on the air though and i discovered it late criminal minds mm -hmm. also no longer on the air and awesome white collar with the one and only matt bomer <sighs> I mean, what? A what? beautiful creation. <laughs> and smart as a whip. Oh, yeah. It was on Paramount Network, which I'm not sure where it's gone now, since now it's all Paramount Plus, but this channel seems to be gone. It's called Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. That's great. Kelly Riley, Kevin Costner, it's serious. Yeah. And filmed, I think, in Utah. Stunning. Remarkable stuff. And... um. Oh, um, on uh, ABC uh, about a man who was incarcerated and he becomes um, an attorney while he's in 
prison. Oh. And it's based on Brian, it's um, related to Brian Stevenson and the Equal Justice Initiative. And it's called, I don't remember, which is embarrassing. That's, that shows remarkable. I've, I've seen the previews and I, the, the name is slipping. I'm really bad with names too. The eradication so. of mass incarceration is very important to me and I am yeah. as active in that as I can be. Um, yeah, this show is, is insanely good. Pop quiz for Hard everybody. Go out there and, <laughs> and find it and then let us know. If we, if, we weren't, if we weren't recording this and it's going to air, I would have already, and you would hear me clicking, I would already Google. Yeah, 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 no. Uh, I'm uh, not doing we'll it. find it. Yeah, and uh, we're not, and we're not, and we're not asking Echo and Alexa to tell us because yeah, they, no, no. they could tell us, but we're exactly. not. Exactly, we're, we're not doing that. So that's me, and um, that's me in TV. Awesome. I think this is us is good. You know, I always am very happy to see more of Susan Kalechi Watson mm-hmm. and Sterling K. Brown because I do think they carry the show. Mm-hmm. Um, with the girls that play their daughters, and then Felicia Rashad as her mother, no question. I mean, sorry, yeah. everyone else on there is good. And yeah. they are the focal points for me with that show. 100%, yeah. I'm not a big fan of- It was an amazing show that was on USA only for two seasons, I think. It was called Graceland. Spectacular. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and happily, Manny Montana, who was on that show, was on Good Girls with the <sighs> remarkable Retta. I, we and, just watched um, the new episode last night. I love Retta. So good. Love her. Ever since Parks and Rec, I, I've obsessed. <laughs> and Christina, who was underused on um, Mad, Mad Men. Men. And Mae Whitman, who I first saw in Parenthood in the 80s. Goodness sake. Literally really such a good cast. Such a good story. Oh, so good. 100%. Matthew Lillard, I love him from Scream and Scooby-Doo. But in this. He's so good. I'm like, he's reinvented himself because... I'm glad to see Christina Hendricks lead a show. Yes, where and not. she is no. I mean, look. I think I think Mad Men underused her. I'm not quite sure why. One hundred percent, yeah. But they. I think that was. I always. I was always curious as to what the backstory was going to be about her. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she was a powerful character as far mm-hmm. as like the lead receptionist in this, you know, man-driven, you know, right. agency life, whatever. Um, it's interesting with television. You know, I know that slang lets people can watch things with people. And that's great. At the same time, I still would rather someone be next to me on the sofa or, exactly. you know, kitty corner in the chair. Exactly. We're getting there. Yes. Slowly but surely. 100%. Yeah. It'll, it's, oh, I can't wait for that day to come back. We're like, so, let's go watch the show, our favorite show and seriously. snack out. <laughs> Facts. The movies that I didn't mention that I really want to see, mm-hmm. um, I didn't mention them. One, I haven't seen them. And the reason I haven't seen them because I think that where I am at this moment, emotionally vulnerable and a little stretched thin, I will freak out. They include Judas and the Black Messiah, mm-hmm. um, uh, Sound of Metal, uh, all of the Steve McQueen programs on, um, he's got Amazon Prime under Lover's Rock, mm-hmm. Five Bloods, shouts to Spike Lee. Um, you know, MLK FBI. I will watch them and I'm pacing myself because I know myself and I am waterproof mascara, (laughs) not because it's better, because I cry. Yep. Tears. Same. No, like the cute little thing that you can use your, your, you know, knuckle (laughs) your finger and like catch it from before it, you know, ruins your makeup. No, full fledged. I am 
snot. I am pulling a Tammy Faye Baker in a real legit way. Like that is yes. how I roll. That's exactly out of how nowhere, I am. Out of nowhere. Yeah, it could be the littlest thing, and I'm like, Ugh! and like, I mean, snot flying everywhere. My husband's just like, "Are you good? Are you okay?" Because he's not. He's complete opposite. He's a bad Pisces. I always joke like he's. <gasps> he's uh, doesn't get emotional at all like he can watch something be like oh that was really screwed up and really sad and i'm over there like <laughs> oh my God, a bad pisces a bad pisces Seriously, bad pisces sounds like you know an 80s like cindy lopper song <laughs> yes. that she decided to that was like a b-side from mm. she's so unusual oh my god i love it bad pisces. I, that's gonna be the name of my next book no i'm just kidding <laughs> Oh, it's a it's a good tattoo. It's a good tattoo. Yeah, bad Pisces. Ugh, it sounds bad so. Pisces. Yeah, it sounds so. Well, it I, has all to do with it has all to do with your voice, you know. Yes, very you can true. be bad Pisces. Yeah, and also be bad Pisces. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I'm gonna. I I have to use that with something in my life. Um, we have our our uh, private you investigation. Safe word? Yeah, it, it could be. Yeah, it's gonna be like what? <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Uh, awesome. This has been a pleasure. Um, me too. I'm honored. Thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you. I do want to give you an opportunity. Um, let people know where they can find you on social media and um, where to find your book as well, too. And I'll link everything because I know my generation and the generation after that is super lazy and we just want the link as quick as possible. So, so funny. take it away. My generation. Oh, my God, my generation. So I'm not AARP yet. Thanks so much for that. But yeah. well, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> look, I know you're five years old. It's cool. I get it. You're fine. Everybody at work always <laughs> like you're you're like 12, and I'm like I'm really not though. I'm getting like up bitches. There. My book comes out in four months. So <laughs> right. watch me then. Thank you very exactly. much. So I am Kate Harvey. H A R V as in Victor I E. That's my website, kateharvey.com. On the socials, I am the same. I am Gloss Gal, G-L-O-S-S-G-A-L. Before you ask, it comes from, I a makeup artist since I'm 18, more lip color than anyone you would ever know in your life, including the manufacturers. And it's my favorite product. So Gloss Gal. Uh, my book is available on every online retail, including Amazon, as print, as audio, as digital, as well as independent stores around the country and all over the web because that's what it is. Yeah. And you can learn about the book on my website, kateharvey.com slash book. All my appearances, radio, TV, podcast, are on the website also, kate.harvey, kateharvey.com slash media. Find me on socials. Let's talk about stuff. I know, you've, I know you're doing amazing things and you probably need to be sharing them bigger than you are. So let's get you where you're doing that. Awesome. Peace. Thank you so much. I'll let you enjoy the rest of your so day. Much. Um, hopefully we will be talking soon. Stay safe um, and have a fantastic you. night. You as well. Happy spring. Thank you. Such an amazing talk, an amazing person. Oh, adore her. Um, let's get to this week's meditation minute, shall we? Let me look for... Accept your feelings, even the ones you wish you did not have. Girl, that's right, though. You have to, like, you know... 
feel the feels sometimes, all of them, good, bad, ugly, get them out your system. So ponder that over while you enjoy this week's Meditation Minute. Well, that's all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for joining me for another Chitty Chat and supporting Sunshine Steven. Um, so grateful for all those listeners out there that are supporting and listening um, and spreading the sunshine, including today's guest, um, who, I mean, wow, just a amazing, um, fantastic human. Uh, I was... I, finished her book and I was uh, fortunate enough she actually sent me uh, aud- the audible version of it and I mean she has a soothing voice first of all um, second of all what a goddess like badass like talk about being resilient um, and I'm just super super happy that the stars aligned <laughs> and we were able to to meet each other and and now have each other as you know, part of each other's lives. So yes, get the book, uh, believe it, behave it. Um, I will link it down below. Also, um, Kate's social media and everything will be down below. So be sure to go check everything out um, there. You can also um, find me on social media, uh, Sir Stephen Rice, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and Clubhouse, and TikTok, if you feel so inclined, at Sir Stephen Rice across all platforms. Again, Hopefully your mental health month is going amazing. You're staying safe, staying sane, and doing a lot of self-care and just working on you because you are worth it. And yeah, so thank you so much again for listening and I hope you stay safe, stay beautiful, and until next time, have a fantastic day. <laughs>